The first step in getting closer to God is to realize that you need to or that you want to. And the second step in getting closer to God is to realize that it's possible. I want to encourage you to check out my book, Getting Closer to God, Anthologies from the Forefront Trilogy, Book 2. I think this will really be helpful to you in your pursuit of the Lord and help you understand what I learned over the first 30 plus years of my life as a believer, as a minister, and as a missionary in uh, a lot of the countries of the earth. Check it out. Anthologies from the Forefront, Book 2, Getting Closer to God. It's on Amazon. What do you do in this situation? You're called to a place where you're essentially starting from nothing. The identities of everyone you meet are tied to their community, country, and or their national religion. The worldviews of your neighbors are so different than how you understand the Bible and the gospel that Jesus just doesn't connect with them at all. Maybe you remember the phrase, just follow the Lord. But what does that look like? And how do you do it in this situation? How do you filter through the options and know that it's really the Lord guiding you? Larry Taylor had that kind of experience when he went to Thailand. And he's here to share what he discovered over the years so that we can benefit from it too. Welcome to From the Forefront podcast by FX Missions. We believe that God calls us beyond where we are, equips us for the unforeseen, and gives us the victory, even if we don't ever see the victory ourselves. Thanks for joining us. If this is your first time here, welcome. I'm a Christian who owns a business and also co-founded the ministry FX Missions, where we use short-term trips and training to develop long-standing relationships and raise up new leaders. In this show, we talk with everyday people who do extraordinary things because of who God is in their lives. If you're on Facebook and we're not connected, please take a second to go like FX Missions Facebook page and, and share it with a friend. You'll find a link in the show notes. As I mentioned, we'll be talking with Larry Taylor today. This is actually a follow-up to our conversation in episode 62 because there was just too much good stuff uh, to talk about and we couldn't get it all in one episode. If you haven't already listened to episode 62, you can find it at fromtheforefront.com and the link is also in the show notes. As we begin the conversation with Larry, we'll be giving a short recap to refresh your memory and get you caught up. Hi, Scott McClellan here for FX Missions Podcasting. Thanks for being with us again today. We've got like round two here, I believe it is, for with our good friend, Larry Taylor. Hey, Larry. It's good to be here, man. Or should I say... Colonel Sanders. <laughs> There's a story there. There's a story there. If you don't know the Colonel Sanders reference, I want to I want to encourage you to go back and listen to part one of this interview with Larry because evidently it's something comical 
about that reference. Thank you for being back with us. Really appreciate it. It's good to be here, Scott. Looking forward to it, man. Love talking with you. Yeah. Well, on the other session that we had, we we had an ambitious goal to get through your basic history of Pacific Islands missions and leading all the way up to your recent trip to Thailand. So I think we were pretty ambitious. We did good, but we didn't do quite that good. So we're here to follow up, basically do a little summarization of your Pacific Islands work and then maybe dig more into that what you experienced in Thailand, what you anticipate in the coming future here, the immediate future for Thailand from a spiritual standpoint. And then I got a few other surprise questions in the bonus round. (laughs) All right. I'll try to keep up. (laughs) Well, I guess I can start by summarizing what I think I remember. Please correct me. But you've been working in the Pacific Islands. Some of these islands are actually nations. Is it Nahuru or... Am I saying it right? Nauru, right. Nauru. Yeah, it looks like Nahuru. These letters strung together in an awkward way that English doesn't really know what to do with. Nauru. Okay. That's where you started. That's an island nation of 10,000 people, more or less, right? Yes, it is. It's a yeah, very tiny island in the middle of the Pacific, just a few miles south of the equator, uh, really literally by itself. And the population there is hovering around 10,000 or less, usually. So when the Lord sends you to the nations, mm-hmm. when he says he's going to send you to the nations, when the first one he sends you is smaller than the town you live in, well, that's a centering moment for you, like perspective, okay? Man, that qualifies. Tell us about some of the favor you experienced over there. Well, God just opened the door through a powerful leader there, an apostolic guy named David Angamia who was both the attorney general for the nation and the uh, general superintendent for the Assemblies of God <laughs> simultaneously. And uh, he opened the door. We had revival. We were there several times. I've lost count. On one particular trip, we just had an amazing revival move of God. And a lot of people were touched, a lot of baptism in the ocean. And, uh, key people, you know, being saved and encounters with the Lord. We had an opportunity to meet with the president, pray with him. Nauru was the, the springboard then to a lot of the other islands we went to, like Kiribati actually is a Kiribati is a nation that's a, a series of islands. If you think Nauru's hard to pronounce based on spelling, you should see how they spell Kiribati. <laughs> Fiji is a major place, a base for us for a long time. And then also Solomon Islands, some significant work in the Solomons. So yeah, we have seen some island nations. Man, that's cool. My mind is alive with sights and sounds, you know, that must have been involved. You were experiencing a lot out there where the landscape is mostly water, you know, from from a guy from East Texas Forest. It was a change of scenery. Yeah. Well, one of the places we went, the Marshall Islands, the runway, the landing strip, you literally think you're landing on an aircraft carrier because the water comes to the landing strip on both sides. So when you land, all you see is water. (laughs) You just hope there's a runway somewhere in between. (laughs) <laughs> Man, not for the faint of heart, this island mission stuff. That's a bit unnerving, I guess. You've done some tours over there different times. I know you've been active at different times in different parts and super thankful for your willingness and your work in following the Lord in that direction. That was inspiring to me, I know, and I know to a lot of other folks. 
as we talked about in the last episode a touch, I'd like to dig into this a little bit more. You spent some time more recently in Thailand. Have you been to Thailand five times or 10 times or, or less or more? Around five. Yeah, I think it's five. Yeah. Thailand's uh, interesting to me as well. I've been there, had some work there with a friend who was a long-termer there for eight years. He returned to the States last year, I believe it was. So I'm also doing some work with folks who have some presence in Thailand, a different friendship. But I'm curious and pretty excited about what the Lord's up to in Thailand. I was so surprised. Uh, It was such a different world for me that instead of having a Baptist church on every corner, here is your, you know, here's your Buddhist Buddhist temple. Yeah, yeah, right. That's accurate. You're 100% accurate on that. (laughs) It was stunning to me. I probably can't unpack this in a way that makes sense to everyone. It's more of a question. What are the similarities between ambient religion in the Bible Belt as compared to, (laughs) you know where I'm headed, as compared to rural Thailand? Should I ask that question or should we just move on, Larry? We can move on. It doesn't, it was up to you. You know how to hit my buttons, my controversial buttons. But, you know, first of all, the difference between most of the islands we were on in Thailand, the Lord used Australia basically to open up Thailand for some churches there. The biggest difference is in the islands, they would be considered 90%, 99% Christian. They were thoroughly Christianized by the missionaries. And so they have a very firmly rooted religious culture and Christianity that dates back generations, which is kind of the opposite of what the most Americans have, the picture of those islands, you know, like, for instance, in Fiji, they say to be a Fijian is to be a Methodist. If you're a Fijian, you're automatically a Methodist, you know? Right. Yeah. Kind of like if you're in East Texas, you're automatically a Baptist. Same thing. And so there's a lot of the same pitfalls, the same issues you deal with anywhere where traditions of men, religious traditions, where that's entrenched. Whether it's Catholicism, Baptistism, or Buddhism, <laughs> there are things that you just got to deal with. The isms, yes. They kind of feel the same, you know. Well, I realize there's a great big difference, but, you know, in its effect, sometimes it's not that different. And in Thailand, it's 2%, they say between 1% and 2% Christian, and that's probably being generous. By decree, by law, you know, it's a Buddhist nation. And the king is not a separation of church and state. The state is a Buddhist state. Now, there are quite a few Muslims in some part. You know, Islam is, uh, has a foothold there, as it does in many places. But like you said, there's a Buddhist temple literally every time you turn around, you find that you see another one. And some of them are just amazing, elaborate, expensive, you know, just uh, all that. Incredible. And, and you see the little houses outside they built for the demons. Those are everywhere, you know. So it permeates the culture. Yeah, idols or statues or altars of sacrifice, those kind of things. That was very interesting to me, like you're talking about. We see that in Latin America quite a bit. But some of the stuff that crossed over was kind of a mashup for me in terms of what I'd seen before in other places. Specifically, well, I you know, say that religion to me feels the same. The religious spirit, if you want to call it that terminology. Yeah. The religions of men... It sort of feels the same. It doesn't matter what label they put it on or what rituals you have to go through. It still has the same feeling. And it basically is about outward appearances to mask the inward reality. Whereas the kingdom of God is to transform the inward reality and then shine with that without the need of hypocrisy and without the need of facade. So anyway, that's the big difference to me. Yeah, Buddhism to me is a 
a big issue, but not any bigger an issue <laughs> maybe than you know one of the other groups you might mention if you needed to. <laughs> we will, you're gonna we're gonna leave that in the nuance for those who are really paying attention. You know exactly what we're talking about. Otherwise, maybe not. I'm tracking with you, and that makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, I'm going to stick the hornet's nest one more time before we run for our lives. But it seemed instructive to me how the Buddhist temples, at least at the level of awareness and knowledge that I got when I was in Thailand. Yeah. I got an impression that these temples were not for the priest and not necessarily for the congregant either. They were constructed to honor Buddha. And they incredibly elaborate, ornate, like you wouldn't believe. And that building lent legitimacy to the concepts of the religion we're trying to establish or communicate or rest on. And I was scary. I was scary. I had like a, like a cat walked over your grave kind of thing. You know, I had a shudder with that. When it comes to the way we in the U.S. use buildings and further programs to legitimize what it is that we're trying to espouse. Forgive me, Larry, if I'm being too direct, but it was scary. It was a scary moment for me in terms of what I thought was an awareness of some similarities there. Well, there was a term that was coined apparently in the 70s called the edifice complex. And you derive your significance from the the edifice you build. And I think that's certainly an element in what's going on in Thailand. And yeah, it does directly relate, again, to man-made religion, is that we're trying to make things look good on the outside because that appeals to people. That gives it respectability. It gives it, you know, some sense of validation in some people's minds. And, you know, and and I tell you, this is a little side note. I asked the Thais, I said, you know, what's up with this temple thing? Why are there so many? And what's the deal. And they said, well, that's how the Buddhists make a living. The monks, I'm excuse me, that's how the monks make a living. And so they're trying to build the biggest, have the greatest reputation so they can get more people there because when people come, they, you know, leave a little contribution. And so it, in another way, it's real similar to religion in all parts of the world. <laughs> Forgive my outburst there. You build a bigger deal, it gets more people and you get more coins in the little trough, you know. Sorry about that. You ask God, this is your fault. We got to get away from this hornet's nest before we fall right in. But God's going to judge us, you know. He's going to do it. Somehow, my long-term relationships, not everybody that I get on the podcast have I known for the <laughs> near 30 years or something that we've known each other. You're dragging it out of me, Larry. I'm going to say may not be your fault, but you're a co-conspirator. <laughs> yes, co-conspirators, yes. Anyway, thank you for that little diatribe. I think it is something we need to think about, even though we're not trying to make that the major part of what we're talking about. The kingdom of God comes without observation. It's a contrast, right? So what's the Lord's work in the kingdom work that you're observing going on in Thailand right now? And let's take about the next 10 minutes, if we can, before we circle back to maybe this or a different hornet's nest. You observed you were in meetings there. There's some things swelling up over there. And the spirit of the Lord is touching people in a new and different, in some ways, completely unforeseen. People getting hit out of nowhere that don't even know anything about God. All those kinds of things are happening, which is a sign of the spirit moving. What's happening? Well, the way the door opened for me, and this 
latest trip was uh, through a, a guy we both know, Rob Perkle. Ministry is Breakthrough Nations, and he's focused on Thailand. He, he married a Thai lady, and the Lord gave him a vision for that nation, a heart for that nation. He said, other people visit Thailand, I'm married to Thailand. Unless he has to, he doesn't even come home anymore. He just is planted there. But what's happened, Scott, there are a lot of really good people working in Thailand. There are a lot of ministries, a lot of missionary stuff in different parts of the, the country. But I think what's unique and what's going on with these guys is especially significant in light of prophetic stuff, you know, prophetic words that have been spoken. Rob is not a uh, educated, he's not a theologically educated guy. He's just a guy that was in the business world that got touched and profoundly transformed by Jesus. And so he has a pretty simplistic, and pretty simple formula he's following right now. Basically what's happening, there's about, I don't know, maybe 20 churches or so, and which is not, you know, that's not a whole, that's not the whole country. That's not all the Christians in Thailand, but that's a significant number. 20 churches in Thailand is a big number. And they're from all different groups. They have denominational identity over there as well. And so these guys are coming from different backgrounds. But the common denominators, they've all encountered the Lord in a transformational breakthrough. You know, they've encountered the glory. That's the only way I would say it. They come into meetings where the glory is manifested, and then they're getting touched and released into stuff that's brand new for most of them. And it's going beyond. A lot of these guys are pastors, leaders that have been theologically educated, PhDs in theology, guys like that. But they're just laying it all down just because they've fallen in love with Jesus, you know. And that's awesome. That is revival for me. And it's reverberating, obviously, through their people. And so they have this really committed core of leaders that are really giving healthy leadership to this. And also just a, a lot of folks are getting touched. One of the guys, I think I mentioned it last time, but the first night of the meetings I was there, a guy got up and said, you know, I was a Buddhist monk for 10 years or something like that. And he said, I've been a Buddhist monk. I found Jesus and I left all that behind. Those kind of testimonies don't happen every night. One of my favorites, I think I shared, I forgot, it's been a while since we talked. <laughs> but the guy from Taiwan, you know, that couldn't speak Thai at all, speaks Chinese, but he heard the worship in Chinese. As they were worshiping in Thai, he heard it in Chinese. So pretty dramatic signs and wonders, you know, to accompany this powerful presence of the Lord. Wow. I realize that someone may be listening to this who doesn't have a ton of reference for the stuff we're talking about. And that's okay. We're not trying to make it overly mysterious. Some of us who've had at different levels of exposure and different time spent in these kinds of experiences will understand it well. And let me just say that when the glory of God appears in personal encounter, you won't have to ask around if uh, something's going on. Something will be going on and you will be experiencing it. I've been into a number of these environments like you have over 30 years, whatever, different times when what you might call the Lord came near. <laughs> and don't worry, it's going to create some outcomes when that happens. So that's kind of the thing we're talking about in terms of what's going on in these meetings in Thailand. You may understand also more or less familiar to you. But basically, that's just when God impresses upon you something, it speaks to you as something to share, or the man who speaks prophetically speaks to men, I think it says in 1 Corinthians 14. So just give a little context there, Larry. Please go ahead. Basically, this particular move, I have a lot of hope about because it has some characteristics of things that all of us have been seeking and asking the Lord to do. First of all, there's breakthrough. There's this, just this encounter. Breakthrough to me is when the Spirit of God breaks through, literally, and people have an encounter with Jesus. 
And Jesus gets really big. Jesus is magnified. He gets real and really real. And you can hear his voice, you can feel his touch. You know, it's just, and that's transformative. Scripture is clear that when the glory of God revealed through Jesus breaks into us, it transforms us. We're changed. So people that are in meetings, for instance, where the glory manifests, where Jesus gets real, that changes them, you know, and you don't have to motivate them to change. <laughs> the Holy Spirit's doing that. And so that's exciting. You're not going for an outcome. The outcome is that Jesus shows up <laughs> because when he shows up, that's going to produce the outcomes of the, you know, the spirit. So here's a part that's really been encouraging for me is that I've seen so many moves, and I know you have too, where it was good for a season. People were blessed, and a lot of people maybe saved, a lot of people touched, and then things kind of go back to normal, back to the default settings yeah. of pre-revival. And you know where these guys are going, we want to go all the way. That's what they said. We want to go all the way. And so they're letting now, they're walking in the same spirit they've received, and the Lord is building a house, a container for a sustained move. You know, people that are operating in the presence and in a manifested glory as a lifestyle, not just as an encounter, you know, not just as one experience, but it's changing their lifestyles. And I'm getting some things shorthand so we can get it all in, but it's producing kingdom family. That's the part I'm excited about. They're coming together under, you know, the headship of Jesus and they're recognizing the gifts, the ministry gifts of the Holy Spirit and they're receiving them. And that's producing family, you know, where they prefer one another, they prefer one another above one another and love, you know, genuine love for one another. And, and they see each other as their family, you know? So that's so cool to me. I mean, they're literally being sons and daughters in the house, you know, just following the Holy spirit. That's my summary of what I saw in Thailand. And I think it, it's something that, that I think he wants to spread in other places. I don't think it's just for Thailand. I think it's something that the nations, man. Yeah. Agreed. For those of us who are more or less familiar with Pentecostal history, there's a lot there to unpack. If you think back to the Azusa Street Revival, you had people from all over the world who came there and got touched. And they took that move around the world. In about 10 years, that move went around the world. And a lot of good stuff happened. I don't mean to shorten its impact by saying in 10 years, but within 10 years, that thing circled the globe twice and it continued to have reverberating effect far further in the future than that. Do you feel like you're seeing the potential for something of the kind here in what's going on in Thailand? I think there's a potential for that, Scott, because this is not just a Thai thing. I see God moving globally. And the themes, the things I hear people saying there, I'm hearing echoed in many other places, people expressing a hunger for that and, and even in some cases experiencing it. So, yeah, I think we're at the beginning of a worldwide move. But here's the thing. In the past, Moves of God and revival have often been seen as someone's means of success in their ministry or in their personal whatever. This is a time of laying it all on the altar, I think. This is a time of understanding what selfless really means, you know, dying to self, what that really means, and walking that out in relationship with other people. So that's what makes this sustainable. The watchwords that people have been using for years talking about revival is, it, is it sustainable? What do we do to sustain revival? Well, first you got to have it. <laughs> That's, to me, that was a that was a circular question at times because you can't do anything with it till you got it, you know. But to sustain it, you keep walking in the same thing you've received. Walk in the spirit. These guys are understanding that that leads you into kingdom. It leads you into family. It leads you into expressing your gifts. The body of Christ valuing every gift of every person. You know, the, all of us are gifted by God, and 
there's an equality and at the same time recognizing true biblical authority. So there's just some things about this really excites me, Scott, because I see it coming together in some ways that we've all heard from the Lord at one time or another and hungered for. Absolutely. And hope for. I'm a lot better off today in a different person because of things like this that I've been exposed to. Obviously, we can have revival on a personal level and thank God for it. Let's go for that. Let's go for individual revival. But let's also go for corporate revival. Let's go for worldwide <laughs> revival. Let's, let's go all in for the reviving power of the Holy Spirit to change and transform our lives and the consequence of who we are. I'm all for that. Maybe one day we'll do a short podcast on what not to do. I personally have some things on the list that we should avoid that I have learned by experience. I don't want to get into that necessarily here, but praise the Lord that his spirit moves and we're learning how to cooperate with him and honor all those involved. Those kinds of things to me are really important. I know your heart is missions. Mine is too. The name of my ministry is Go In Ministries, so go into all the world, you know, which part of go don't people understand? <laughs> uh, but what are we going with? What are we going for? Why are we going? And if what we're doing is not a part of the overall kingdom global strategy, then I think we can have some great trips and, and have some great impact at times. But it's so much more impactful when we're tied in with the kingdom strategy that God's implementing. And for me, the biggest issue for entering into a move of God is simply saying yes when it comes. Mm. I think the big issue is really, are you going to say yes when he does? And that's a whole other journey we could go on in this podcast. Podcast. <laughs> yeah. I think it can be counterintuitive to us. When the Lord appeared, uh, for example, to Mary, it was a counterintuitive experience. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Zechariah, it was a counterintuitive experience. The point is that they said, hold on a minute, what's going on here? And it can also be a counterintuitive experience to us. We may not quite get, this isn't appearing like we think it would or should. And I think that's what you're saying. We've got to discern what's going on and be unlike Zachariah that says, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you know, we got to be ready to cooperate. I think that's what you're meaning. Yeah, I, I, I love that. We've been using that example a lot to Zechariah. It's interesting you brought him up, Zechariah and Mary, the contrast. Zechariah did get it, but it took him quite a while to process that because he couldn't speak until he saw this, this is interesting, Scott. Until he saw it, he didn't have the language for it. <laughs> and I think with that fresh move, God brings fresh understanding and revelation and language that goes with the move. And one of the dangers I see, we're talking about dangers, but you know, somebody can hear a podcast like this and think, oh, these guys are talking about that stuff. You know, this, these moves, revivals, Toronto, Pensacola, yada, yada, yada. Well, no, no, wait a minute. I'm talking about God is doing a new thing. <laughs> and to the degree you can say, okay, I'm ready for a new thing. I think to that degree, you're going to be impacted. And so my prayer is for people that would hear this broadcast as well as people all over the world as the spirit is moving in different places, would begin to say yes again, even when they've lost hope, even when things look like they've gone contrary, even when disappointment, all the stuff that's gone on in the last few years. I think it's time to hope again. And it's not only that, it's time to say yes again, because God is moving. Mm. Yes. 
Well said. I think that's a good way to summarize. Based on a ton of experience that you've had, I think it's important for me to say this is something that's very basic and understandable encouragement there, but it's based on 50 years of walking in it and 30 years in this stream. So yes, Lord, may it be. I remember, I have so many directions I'm thinking to go, but I I just remember interviewing those guys in Pensacola when I was on the air at KSWP and getting the pastor and the evangelist on for an interview. And I just remember, it seemed like an open invitation in the spirit was there. Let me just say that. And I think maybe that's what we're trying to reveal here in this conversation. There's an open invitation in the spirit. Of course, I ended up going to Pensacola. You were in Toronto. We worked together after that. We saw the Lord do incredible things at a variety of different times and places and people. Praise you, Jesus. You're worth it all. No, I said, I went to Pensacola too. I was so blessed by that trip. Yeah. And I understand your sentiment there about a lot of the disappointments that have happened in recent years. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. That's discouraging and I think can be a weight of an impediment or a weight of restriction for us to be able to enter into something new or hope again for God's goodness in the land of the living. Lord, let us do it. So I would just want to encourage anybody who's sensing right now an open invitation like the one I described a minute ago, I want to encourage you just to say yes. And we think about what all that might mean. And I think we get the cart before the horse when we're thinking about all that might mean before we say yes. Yes is the hold. I saw a door standing open in heaven. Yes is the open door standing open in heaven. And, you know, we see that and we say, okay, here I am. I'm responding favorably. I'm in agreement. Yes, Lord. Suddenly, you know, (laughs) through the door we go by God's grace. So I want to encourage all of us, including myself, to hope again for that and to be ready to respond in the affirmative. Sorry, I got on a little rant there. No, that's good. We're in sync, man. You know, Scripture says, to as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of the children of God. Yes. And what does it mean to be a son? Well, Scripture says, those that are led by the Spirit of God. So just that divine yes, you know, he's saying yes to us. The promises of God are yes and amen. He's saying yes to us. And I think it's a matter of us, yes to him. Because as soon as you say yes to him, you hear the divine yes coming back at you. Yes, yes. That's the door standing open in heaven. Heaven's yes that you enter into. And I think that's what we're doing. When the glory of God's distributed like that, we're entering into heaven's yes, right? What were you thinking there? I think God takes the initiative personally. You know, the second step is what do we do with it when he does? You know, I think too many people pre-qualify themselves and pre-qualify the group they're with, pre-qualify in an environment and shut down the move of God because they've already made up their mind. He can't do it here or he can't do it through me or he can't do it unless we meet all of these requirements. And I think that shuts it down. You know, everybody knows that if somebody's alcohol addicted person comes into your fellowship and says, you know, I want to receive Jesus, but first I want to get rid of my addiction. The first thing everybody says is, no, you got to receive Jesus first. He'll get you through the addiction. But, but when it comes to revival, we flip that and say, oh, we want revival. We got to do this, this, and this. No, you got to receive the spirit. And the Spirit brings revival. (laughs) 
Too many people are trying to create another thing after their own image instead of letting God do it his way. And if he wants to move through a bunch of Thai people in a country, you know, halfway around the world, that most of them don't have any education at all, much less a theological. If you want to move through that kind of group, praise God, let him do it and receive what you can from them. Take it to where you live. You know? I would like to encourage folks to consider a trip to Thailand. Somebody may be here listening and they're thinking, I would love to go over and see that. We're going to have some details in the show notes where folks can get familiar with your guy there and what's going on and maybe get there. I will say as a person who has responded over the years to the call to go here or go there or do this or do that, you can't outdo God in terms of what he's going to cause to happen in your steps of obedience to him or in in the cost of time, resource and energy that you spend reaching in the direction of the Lord. It's going to be overwhelming by comparison how he responds to you. So don't start in half measures in terms of your willingness to reach out to the Lord and for these kind of things, because he can definitely surprise you. And he will in terms of what he's going to do in response to your obedience. Did that make sense, Larry? Yeah, perfect sense. And man, Scott, humility is such a major part of it. Humility. Humble yourself under the God that he can lift you. Just humble yourself. That's all. Amen. Last time we touched on this just a minute, but a lot of what's happening over there, they see as a fulfillment of prophecy that Bob Jones had, apple tree prophecy of an apple tree revival, which they feel like he did too. That's an end time prophecy that's now coming to pass. And so for them, it's really hugely significant. And for me too. I re-listened the other day to one of his words that Bob had about what was going to be happening in the coming years. You know, every 10 years, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. The glory was going to come in 2000, which it, it has, you know, there's been a focus on that. And he said, there's going to be, uh, you know, some other things. But then he said the move, the apple tree move was going to be in preparation, preparing people and leaders for the glory that's to come, which is like this huge thing. <laughs> and so uh, I got a lot of hope. This will be my last question, and I'm not going to make my way back around to the hornet's nest. We're on a good flow here. and I'm enjoying it. What would you say to young leaders who are maybe coming up on this for the first time? Is there something you could hand off to young leaders relative to what we're talking about who may be less familiar and could just use some advice from a person of your experience? Okay. I'll try to keep it short or simple anyway. You know, I think I mentioned to you my first trip to Mexico, Monterey, Mexico. Gentleman in my church who got baptized, Hispanic guy, Mexican citizen uh, here on a green card. And I was young then. I was young, impulsive, not necessarily in the spirit, just young and impulsive. <laughs> and he said, let's go visit my family and tell them about Jesus. He, it was real to him. He wanted to say, okay, let's go. So my first mission trip was piling in a car with this guy and his wife and my wife and driving from Avoca, Texas to Monterey, Mexico, <laughs> and spending the week in his parents' home, the Colonia in the poor section of town, and just doing meetings every night in that little patio area. And we'd play the guitar and people would show up and then he'd translate for me and I'd just give a simple you know, salvation message. And just was overwhelmed by the response. You know, I was. That lit the fire under me. That's all it took. After that, I just wanted to go. And I think that willingness to be spontaneous is a characteristic of those who follow the Spirit. And the wind of the Spirit blows where He will. You don't know where He's coming. You don't know where He's going. So are those who are led by the Spirit, filled with the Spirit. So 
if you're sensing in any way, there's more for me, I need to spread this around, I need to travel, whatever, take a trip. And it doesn't have to be a fancy, you know, invitation trip where you've got thousands lined up in a crusade meeting. It can be that simple. Going to somebody's house and having meetings in their home in a foreign country or hosting someone in your own home from another country and then getting the relationship built and let that open doors. I just say, go for it. My biggest thing is go, you know, like (laughs) get in our minds that that's part of the command is go. When you go, stuff happens. Yes. So that's my advice and and go with them. And some of those may seem out of season. They may seem almost impossible at times. Read the books about the miracles of the great saints of God. They say, I want that to happen in my life. Well, usually that happened because they had to have that miracle. You know, (laughs) it's amazing when you have to have a miracle to get someplace that he'll send the miracle to get you there, you know. But you set your mind on, oh, does that help, Scott? Did I say anything that might be helpful there? That's very helpful. Thank you for saying so. Yeah, the person who acts, the person who takes action, the person who steps out, that's the person who's demonstrating leadership. And that is what you're talking about. You're talking about initiating in obedience, stepping out, being led, following. And even though that's super simple, a lot of times it isn't that easy. There's a chorus of voices that want to stop you from stepping out. You've got human inertia to deal with, which means you might not be used to stepping out. There's a lot of things there, but it is simple. And with God's grace, it is doable, even though it might be opposed. Great advice. Even if you mess it up a little bit, there's great grace for messing up. And, you know, like the old preachers used to say, God can steer a moving car, but steering doesn't do much if the car's in park. You know, I'm all for contemplative meditation, pressing into his presence. I'm all for that. But at some point, you got to move. You have to take action. James makes it clear. Faith without what? Works is what? It's dead. It's dead religion. It's dead. But being alone. Exactly. Man, Larry, thank you for being here. So thankful we got round two in the books here. Really appreciate your friendship. And it's great to connect. We need to do that over coffee again sometime as soon as we can. If someone wants to reach out to you or find out more about Robert, in what he's doing in Thailand or in general. I think last time we told folks that they could reach out to you on Facebook. Is that still the best way? Yeah, Rob's ministry, he also has a really nice website. He has American and Thailand, but Breakthrough Nations, if you do that in your search engine on Facebook, it'll take you to Rob. And they're doing stuff daily, really active site. They're putting up live feeds every day, just about. A lot of that is in Thai language, but it's being interpreted usually. So you can get a feel for what's happening. Breakthrough Nations is the name of, and Rob Perkle, his last name is P-I-R-K-L-E, Perkle. Okay, yep. Uh, that's a great way to get started. Then, you know, that'll direct you to the website if you need to. And then for me, right now, the best way to get a hold of me is Facebook as well. Uh, Oasis of Grace is the church I'm senior leader now, you know, in Graham, Texas, and that's on Facebook as well. Awesome. We found the right Larry Taylor that we linked back to. There's a few of you out there in Facebook. Yeah. Well, there's a Larry D. Taylor. There's another story. He's an evangelist also from San Antonio. So (laughs) he's a lot older. (laughs) Well, we'll backlink all that stuff. Thank you so much for being here. And we prayed before the podcast, but I want to pray here as we go out. Lord, just let the wind of your spirit, Lord, just stir over folks' hearts. And Lord, let us see the invitation to cooperate with you, collaborate with you in what your spirit is doing in the earth. Help us to just discern how to cooperate with you, how to say yes and how to take those steps, how to step out 
and, and where the wind might take us, Lord, where the wind might take us, I feel confident that we'll be in a better place and for all the right reasons. Thank you for this time that we've had together. And we ask you by your spirit to seal it on the hearts of those who listen to it in Jesus' name. Larry, thanks for being here, bro. Amen. I really, really appreciate it. We'll sync up again soon and we'll listen for the reverberations of God's spirit in the earth. Yeah, let's go to Thailand. I want to go to Thailand. I won't take you with me. Let's go. Okay. Next time we're doing this from Thailand. Okay. Sounds good. (laughs) Awesome. Let's look forward to it. Keep me posted on your plans there. As for me, I'm Scott McClelland. This has been a FX Missions podcast. Thanks for joining us. Please share this with someone you know it will encourage. And if you need to contact me or us, please do so at fxmissions.com. Thanks for listening. I just, I've got to say, it's always interesting to me to see how the gospel weaves its way into cultures that are basically disregarding to it. Unlike our U.S. culture here and culture in in maybe Western Europe, we have a lot of familiarity for the gospel woven into our culture. But in the Far East, that's just not the case. And it's always good to remind ourselves of that. And I thank Larry for helping us do it. Also, I'd like to hear from you. What stuck out to you? What did you think about as you learned about Thailand, the gospel, and what God's doing there? Please send me an email at scott at fxmissions.com. Next time, we're going to be joined by Jason Harris. That is actually rejoin. Back in episode 64, he he shared the story of how God really used his circumstances to get a hold of him and some incredibly powerful ways that God got him and his attention and his person to go to Haiti and beyond, I might say. Uh, You'll want to be sure to be here for that. In true God style, that's not the whole story. Join us next time and let's discover more about the incredible and surprising God that we serve. Thanks for being with us. If God spoke to you today, we'd love to hear about it. Click through to the episode notes on your podcast app, choose the link for your favorite social media platform, and share it with us there. And if you've not done this already, follow the show in your favorite podcast app at fromtheforefront.com slash follow. Click the link in the episode notes, choose your favorite podcast app, and follow us there to get every episode for free.